Hey, welcome back. It's time for the Beacon Flash. The only show to shine a light on the future of enterprise wealth management. Brought to you by Beacon Strategies, LLC. Streaming live from our studios here at the University of California, Irvine's Beal Applied Innovation Center. With our host, Chip Kispert. And his guest, an entrepreneurial marketing leader who spent decades building brand and marketing organizations in financial services and high-growth consumer environments. Meet the EVP and Chief Growth Officer at Tiffin Wealth, Naharika Shah. Naharika, welcome, my friend. I am so happy to have you on the Beacon Flash podcast. I'm delighted to be here, and thank you for having me, Chip. Well, you know, uh, you and I have have uh, gotten to know each other over the last year, and quite frankly, I, it's it's been really, really fun for me because one of the things that you've kind of opened my eyes to are the evolving ways that advisors and customers look at communicating, and I think that's really, really neat. And and that Tiffin Wealth is is doing yeoman's work in that area. Indeed. And I think in the industry today, there is a lot of thought and effort put into addressing the needs of the wired investor, right, who expect frictionless, seamless, personalized experiences. And so beyond communications, it also goes to how advisors and their firms help them support that deeper level of engagement with the end prospect or the end client. And I think this this area is ripe for its low-hanging fruit in terms of using data, AI, machine learning, et cetera, to empower the advisor to prospects and clients to lean in. And I think that's a great way to, to talk about it. I think it leaning in, leaning into that conversation, making it more interesting. Um, you know, last week we had a, a roundtable, um, our new age of marketing roundtable is our first one. And I was so thrilled because I realized, oh my gosh, what an underserved uh, group of people. And they, the, the conversations were fabulous and they were, they ranged all over the place, which was really neat. But I'm kind of curious, what are one or two projects right now that you're particularly interested in? Um, you know, because I think communication is a very, very hot area. Yeah. Uh, so I think. You know, to highlight two areas, one which you recently attended, one of the roundtables we hosted was out around this area of charitable giving. And we see this as a as a trend across the industry driven by clients and investors uh, and prospects wanting to do more with their money in terms of advancing the social causes that are near and dear to their heart. It may be faith-based, it may be economic equity, it may be diversity, climate change, etc. And so what I'm very excited about at Tiffin is we have brought for potentially disruptive platform around charitable giving to the wealth management space, addressing the frictions that currently stand between people um, and the way that they want to channel their money, you know, to the causes that they believe in. Their inherent minimums, I think the f- workflows are complicated. Um, I think also today's solutions don't get beyond the patriarchal matriarch of the family, right? Um, so as we think about the wealth transfer, uh, generational wealth transfer, I think the ability for the advisor to go beyond the patriarch matriarch and and engage the entire family is very valuable. 
So we have uh, recently, I shouldn't say recently, it's been a year now that we've launched Tiffin Give. And I'm very excited about that project for two reasons. One is because I do think it's a valuable addition to a firm's portfolio in addressing the needs of their prospects and clients. But secondly, I think it ties to our overall mission of um, creating more financial well-being you know, for more people than just beyond the prospects and the clients. You know, it's interesting. I was having a conversation yesterday morning with one of our customers who is probably one of the more progressive thinkers um, in the industry. They are a hybrid RIA. And one of the things we're talking about is really weaving in charitable giving and how, you know, it adds so much to the relationship and beyond. And and you just talked about it. I, I think the... It's an interesting point and one that we've been making constantly is being also able to touch the next generation, right? Because we see so, you know, we see so many assets that when they go to beneficiaries, they go to other advisors, right? So how can these advisors have worked really, really hard on, on gathering these assets, then be able to, to continue that and continue the work that they're doing with the family? And I think your point your point on charitable giving, really two things. One, it, it, you guys are providing a framework for that that's, that's really makes life easier, right? And then it enables the conversations with the future generations. Indeed. Uh, and uh, if you think about, you know, what we're, we're talking about here in terms of the friction, right? One of the frictions exists is because uh, A, advisors are afraid to sometimes ask because they see these as assets leaving their practice. Um, and I would just say, look, it's going to happen no matter what, right? So you might as well be at the center of it. And it is, a, you know, what your clients want. So being able to service them in that respect. Um, and incidentally, if there's any cause for concern in terms of growth, we know that advisors, uh, there was a recent study by Fidelity Charitable that said that advisors that have added charitable giving to their practice have experienced three times the growth when compared to other practices, as well as 1.3. So that's 30% more assets flowing in, which is a remarkable indicator of the deepening of that relationship. So I think there is a win-win and a value proposition for both for advisors as well as the firms to incorporate this. The second friction and going back to the assets flowing out, we we recognize that. And so we offer advisors the ability to collect a sub-advisory fee should they choose on the DAF assets that live within Tiffin Give as well. So, you know, it's interesting um, because a, a conversation I had a month ago uh, at our investment roundtable, we, we got into a deep discussion on disbursement, right? And how our industry does a fabulous job of gathering assets. But the disbursement side of it isn't as elegant, let's put it that way, or or it doesn't have the time. And I think you're, you know, this is a step in that direction of really uh, making that more more of a a positive uh, within the industry. So I do want to transition and ask you a question, and and it, it's it's a pretty big question, right? And it really comes down to how do you think wealth firms are doing? when it comes to communicating with their customers these days? Yeah, so I think, and this is tied to what we just talked about in terms of charitable giving, 
I think the template, and we often talk about this, but I think it's time to take it seriously, uh, especially as we think about the next generation, is their expectation is that the experience that they're going to receive, whether it's an inbound email, whether it's I'm talking face-to-face with an advisor, whether I'm looking at my portfolio, is going to be highly personalized. And that is our thesis, which is today that personalization is very fragmented. It does not result in the complete holistic persona of who that individual is, their needs, their fears, their values. We've we've ignored them as an industry, right? Going back to the causes, their passions, um, as well as what their their inclinations might be in how and where they want to invest their money. It all goes back to getting people to lean in and engage. So I think whether it's in the context of charitable giving or communications, this idea of knowing who that individual is, that complete picture, and then tailoring the communication or the recommendations is, I think, the the next frontier for us to collectively address as the industry. And guess what? And I always talk about this. Okay, this is, is it nice to have or is it a must have? 35% of Amazon's revenue today is driven by their personalized recommendation engines. <laughs> Just imagine, what if? We could bring that same level of incremental step-up growth opportunity to the wealth management industry, um, and that's what we're, we're that's what we're doing at Tiffin, right? Identifying that incremental delta growth opportunities that are highly personalized and result in, you know, whatever the outcomes might be: better conversion, more AUM more customer delight, right? Eventually leading to retention. So where's when so I think that's one part. The second part of it is specifically related to communications, there is an overemphasis from a marketing perspective put on the left side of the conversion signal, which is top of funnel. Um, and you've heard me say this before, Chip, that I think marketing has a branding problem, uh, and which is ironic because when we think about growth, we should actually be thinking about the role of marketing, of advisor engagement, client engagement across that customer life cycle. Because the inherent opportunities, people's lives evolve, people's goals evolve, people's needs evolve, people's investable assets evolve. And for us to be able to use the same level of discipline that we use on the prospecting side to even service clients and win more business eventually um, is, I think, an excellent opportunity for the industry. Let's take this a step farther, right? So that's where the industry is. You see opportunity. What trends do you see occurring uh, within the industry you know, probably more specifically to the marketing side, but I'm I'm curious because you have a broad perspective and I'd love to hear, you know, what you're thinking. Yeah, I think the overarching trend, and I think this is just how fintech has evolved, is they used to be, even 10, 15 years ago, the option of build versus buy, right? That was the debate. Now you've got something really interesting in the middle, which is rent, which is essentially your software as a subscription um, services, right? So I think that is in that context. Um, I think there are a few trends that are very, very interesting. One harkens back to what we just spoke about in terms of personalization. Uh, But the idea of leveraging what other industries more in the e-commerce consumer world have used, like AI, like data science, et cetera, to do that personalization at scale, 
But the second most important thing is I think there is an acknowledgement that the intelligence, right, the data insights, there's latency between receiving that intelligence and acting on it, or there is just not that pathway. So I think the ability to have real-time intelligence at every point in that client's journey and then providing an actionable sort of pathway for both the advisor and the client to then engage and take take uh, and make progress is um, another trend that we're seeing in the industry. Now, how does that apply in specific use cases? One, of course, could be charitable giving, right? You've You've got let's say ultra high net worth investor or an investor that is, you know, just starting out the Henry's of the world, if you will, you can create that engagement by truly understanding who that individual is and then identifying. So we use conversational AI as an example to create a mission statement. That mission statement is very, very powerful in then driving recommendations of the kinds of charities and foundations that the investor might be able to redirect their resources to. The second is uh, alignment of what lives in the DAF with your overall preferences. So oftentimes we see that, you know, you're investing in, you believe in clean energy, but you're investment accounts could potentially hold coal, right? That's a dissonance. So we need to solve for that. And I'm just sharing one of the sort of uh, instances that I have seen in the past. The second use case that we see is the emergence of using the advisor-client retail experience to wealth at work. There is a tremendous opportunity within the workplace, and I think it's a fiduciary uh, goal uh, from a plan sponsor standpoint, to ensure financial well-being um, of participants in a 401k plan or a 403b plan. And so the sensibility um, of deeper engagement there and then providing pathways to ensure that financial well-being is a win-win for advisors with a wealth business uh, that live also a you know, within a workplace plan. And and I think there is a tremendous opportunity there in sort of looking at wealth at work. So we're seeing that as as an emerging trend. And I think the 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 final, the third trend, I shouldn't say final, but this idea of going back to the build versus buy, I think firms, especially enterprise firms, are looking at best of breed um, and looking for one, maybe three partners that they can build out these seamless, frictionless, digital-led experiences with. So open architecture, APIification, if you will, of our of solutions to help firms assemble what is a very unique experience that they want to provide for their advisors and their clients is another trend that we're definitely seeing and exposing out in a much more detailed, interactive, personalized way the, that advisor-client relationship, right? So client portals um, used to be a thing that we all talked about 10, 15 years ago, but I think that's up for another resurgence in terms of what information is actually available there and how can we get people to take more action? You must have gotten notes from Blake because we talked about that last week. <laughs> that It was amazing because that, you know, when we talked to to our customers, our enterprise customers, that hasn't been a uh, hot button, so to speak, with them. But when you talk to marketing people and who are talking to the end customer in terms of doing surveys and what have you, 
it is a very hot button. So I find that that's a very interesting one. You, know, you talked about these trends. You talked about weaving together, you know, some new ideas here, AI, and they're getting more traction within our space. I think it's been a long time coming. Let's put it that way. Naharika, one of the things that we see is the demographic of the wealth industry. You know, it's typically late 50s for advisors. Um, we see relatively the new advisors, you know, they're not a ton going into what I'll call more the advisory farm system, kind of that concept, right? That growth. So how are you looking at these key areas of communication with the client, utilizing data? How are you trying to get, you know, these more mature advisors to adopt, change how they've always done things, you know, when they relied on a quarterly statement and maybe a newsletter, right? Yeah, I, I think a few things to unpack there. First is, I do think the adoption of technology or digital transformation, however you call it, first has to start with the cultural ethos of the firm. Um, so I think if you buy into the value, and maybe like most of us don't understand how it's done, that's all right. And that's the power of technology. It's like, you know, the BMW engineering, which is you don't see it. Um so I think that's the first part. The second part is that especially advisors that are part of a larger firm, it is incumbent on the leaders within that firm to lay the foundation and with the right training, with the right value proposition, et cetera, to help these advisors adopt. And finally, I would say, look, the your clients are going to push you in that direction. So if you're in the business for the next three, five years, sure. But if you're looking to future-proof the business, um, maybe it's a, a transitional strategy, whether uh, it is looking to build out your practice with other younger advisors, with the other new next generation of you know uh, prospects and clients, um, I would highly say that we would uh, we we think there's a solution here for every kind of advisor. It's interesting that you just said that because we look at relevance being a big key here. And, you know, if you look at how investors, investor customers look at the world, they're becoming more and more sophisticated. Um, they expect data real time almost at this point in time. So I, you, you really strike a chord with me. want to kind of move to a fun question, a little bit more of a less serious, but a, a fun one. When you look out at the industry today, right, what are some of the, the firms that you see out there that you know, are are pushing the envelope a little bit. They're they're doing some really neat things in the industry beyond Tiffin Wealth, of course. I th I think I would point out to one, um, and the way that I like to answer this question is um, fintechs either operate in the op automation space. You know, there's a lot of tech in fintech, or and or they operate in the intelligence space, which is using mm -hmm. AI and data science. Where the true if I had to put that in a two by two, I would say in the top right is the sweet spot, right? Where you're automating, but also making things more effective with, with intelligence. So with that being said, then the, then applying that to a friction and solving at scale, right? Where you've got duality in the value proposition. So one of the companies that I've recently become very acquainted with um, is for you. And I do believe that even though there's 
they're more automation focused and less intelligence focused right now, but I think that's just a matter of time. What they've been able to do is solve the friction of thought leadership emanating from asset managers and being seamlessly distributed with compliance approvals and so on, and readily available at the fingertips of advisor desktops, right? It used to be that it was a cumbersome process, lots of workflow, latency in that content being available. And so I think they have solved in a a very meaningful way of an industry friction point. Quite impressed with their journey, what they're doing, and the progress that they've made in the in you know in the short few years that they've been around. Interesting, interesting. I look forward to learning, checking them out, and learning more. All right, so I love to ask this question of all of our guests, um, and you know, one of the things that you know, typically I'll wake up about four o'clock in the morning and be concerned about things that are for our customers or what have you. You know, when you think about our industry, when you think about and you look at kind of the both the enterprise and, and the advisor side of the business, the wealth business, what keeps you up at night? What, <laughs> what's a concern for you? Look, I think it's also the way that I look at things, the things that keep you up at night and the things that get you out of bed in the morning. And I I tend to look at things that get that get you out of bed in the morning. So I'll phrase it in that context. I think um, it is really the opportunity to use technology, whether it's data science, AI, machine learning, et cetera, in a meaningful way that helps the advisor, that helps the end prospect and the client um, as an industry, I think if we want to do more for more, um, doing it at scale um, with the right use cases and the right sort of cultural ethos, the top-down support is where I think we need to go. So I think from a challenge standpoint, it's getting the right advocacy within organizations to help advisors sort of um, build out the next generation of client personalization. You know. That was a wonderful answer. Do you mind if I steal that? Get out of bed. I love that line. That that one's fabulous. That is a uh, a fabulous turn of a phrase. Marika, <laughs> thank you for joining us on the Beacon Flash podcast. Uh, I've enjoyed our conversation. Anytime you want to come back, you're welcome. I'd be happy to. Thank you, Chip.